Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for joining us today. Really glad to have you all here. So we already mentioned that we're doing this fast right now. So this is day eight, eight, nine, eight, something of our 21-day fast. And um, many of you are giving up a lot of things. Uh, we have over 120 people who have signed up to participate in this year's fast. And so I've been praying for you. Hopefully you're starting to see God move a little bit. I know many of us have seen the enemy move a little bit, right? I mean, like that, that devil who works right next door, who brought donuts in this week, right? We've seen the enemy at work, left and right. But I, I, I will tell you, God will meet you as you press in. Again, don't just give up things. Make sure you're pressing into what God has for you. It's been, oh, it's been so good already. Every year I'm thinking, do we do this fast again? And then about halfway through, I'm like, yes, we got to we got to do this. It's so, so, so good. So thank you for joining us in it. And if, you're, if this is new to you, you're like, I've never done anything like this, you can join us um, even this week. You don't have to do the whole 21 days. You can just join us. Find something that is sacrificial and just give it up for God. Uh, and then you can be part of our, our fasting experience. So to uh, start off today's message, I have a photo. Let's see if you guys know who this is. Anyone know who this is? Bernie Madoff. Right, Bernie Madoff. That's him getting arrested, by the way, him getting arrested. So according to Wikipedia, Bernard Lawrence Madoff was an American fraudster and financier who was the mastermind of the largest Ponzi scheme in history worth over $64.8 billion. In June 2009, Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison and died in prison in 2021. So basically what he did, he, would, he was a, an investment, he owned an investment company, and when people would give him money to invest into stocks, instead of buying stocks and investing them, he would put them in his own personal bank account. And then he had his team, who many of them ended up going to jail as well, and they, a lot of them were family members, uh, they would create false investment documents showing how much money they were, these investors were making. And because the returns were so high, he would get more people to end up investing. And he ended up stealing billions of dollars from thousands of, an inve of investors throughout this scheme. Now, unfortunately, it cost him his freedom. He went to jail. It cost him his reputation, his family. And in the end, it, it really cost him his life. He died in prison. So why did he do it? Why did he do it? I, I listened to an interview with him, and he said it was, it was all about success. He wanted success. And I would say what he wanted was financial success. It was the love of money that drove him to do what he did. Well, back in 2009, when I worked at another church, we uh, we're working with the children over in South Sudan at the New Generation Dreamland Children's Home. And we had this idea of building a chicken coop and buying chickens, right? So they could ha have chickens and raise them. 
And so we did. We ended up sending them the money to build. Here's a photo of the chicken coop that we built. And then you see all the little chicks. So cute. We ended up buying 500 baby chicks and all of the feed that goes with them. Had to buy them from Uganda, have them shipped to South Sudan, all of that. And the plan was that uh, these chicks will, will grow in like six weeks. They call them broilers. So in six weeks, they grow up and then you end up eating them, right? And so we were going to give half of the chickens to the, the children to eat because they didn't get much meat. So to have chicken meat was huge. And then we we're going to sell the other half locally so that we'd have the money to buy 500 more chicks in the feed. And, and they would just have this going. And the, and the kids would get to raise these chickens and have chicken meat and all of that. It was a great idea. But when it came time to sell 250 chickens, Pastor Stanley contacted me and he said, um, we don't have any chickens left. I said, what, where are the chickens? Where did they go? Well, it turned out the director of the Dreamland Children's Home sold them all locally and put the money in his own pocket. And we didn't understand why, why he would do that. He was a great guy. And we found out through some conversations that he had been spending time down the road a mile or two at the YWAM, Youth with a Mission, missions base. And he was hanging out with American missionaries. And he saw the cell phones that they had, and he saw the laptops that they had, and the clothes that they wore. And so he began to want those things. And so, again, it was out of the love of money and what money could buy that he took food out of the mouths of these orphans. The love of money can make us do things that we didn't think we'd ever do. Well, then in... Uh, in 2017, I was making plans to take a missions team over to Africa to see these same, these same kids. And the highest expense always on these trips over to Africa, anyway, is the plane ticket. I've, I've spent as much as $2,500 a plane ticket to go over there. I mean, they can be really expensive. But we found this website called missiontripairfare.com, and it says international humanitarian travel since 2002. And so... Uh, we got a quote from them. We had heard from other churches that they did really well on their, their tickets. So we ended, ended up buying uh, eight or nine tickets, I think, for about $7,000. And it was a really good deal. We were excited about it. Well, it, we came close to um, the time to leave, and we, we didn't have our plane tickets yet. So we started contacting the company, and they wouldn't return our phone calls or emails. And uh, basically, in the end, we had to buy seven or eight tickets, eight or nine tickets at the then price right before we went, which was really expensive. And we never got our $7,000 back. It turns out that this was a big scam. MissionTripAirfare.com ended up stealing over $1.5 million from, uh, from missionaries, from churches, missions organizations all throughout the United States. And uh, in 2021, the director, Beth Greenhill, was found guilty and sentenced to seven years in prison. So why did she do it? Why did she do it? I believe it was because of the love of money. See, the love of money can cause us to do things that we would never do otherwise. Right? Has anyone ever been tempted to lie or tell a half-truth? Because it would be 
of financial benefit to you, right? I mean, I know I have, and sometimes I've actually done it, right? Money can get us to do things that we would never do on our own or normally do. Um, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The King James Version says, It is the root of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And then Matthew 6.24 says, this is Jesus. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God and money. See, the reality is that money is important, right? We all need money. We need money to pay our rent, to buy, buy gas, and even to pay for that dozen eggs, you know? It's, it's tough. We need money. But money can also cause us to stumble spiritually. When we start to love it too much, or we start to love the things that we can buy with it too much, then it can become a snare, and that's when it's a problem. Now, money has a place in our lives. It does have a place in our lives, and God wants us, God just wants, wants us to make sure it's in the right place in our lives, and today we're going to discuss what that looks like. So our message series that we are in right now is called All In, Giving Life All We Got. And it's a message series about becoming all we can by giving all we got. So here, our key scripture for this series comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, and it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, we all have a purpose in this life, but God's expectation for each of us is to work it out with fear and trembling. And so this series is about giving it all we got so that we can accomplish the purposes that God has for each of us. So last week, we looked at what it might mean to go all in spiritually like, what does it mean to go all in spiritually? And, and many of you uh, decided that, hey, that includes reading my Bible every day. And I think I have over 80 commitment cards of, of those of us who have said, I'm going to commit to reading my Bible every day. And many of you have committed to reading your Bible in one year. And that's super exciting for me. Has that been fun, by the way? I've really enjoyed our Bible reading uh, plan that we're working on. And if you want to jump in with us, we have... Uh, Bible reading plans out there at the Welcome Center. You can grab one of those. But today, we're going to look at what it means to be all in with our money. What does it mean, really, to be all in with our finances? So we're going to look at uh, a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. You can turn in your Bibles there. Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. It's the third gospel. And this is a section of scripture, I've read this before on a Sunday, um, but man, it just never gets old. It never gets old. This is a really great section of scripture. But in this section, Jesus is confronted by somebody who has 
a financial dispute. And he wants God to speak, wants Jesus to speak into this financial dispute. So let's read what Jesus says. Chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So it's a financial dispute, right? He's like, our father has died and my brother you know, has control of the finances and he needs to give some to me and it's causing problems in our family. So he's asking him to make a judgment. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So our message title today is Going All In Financially. What does it mean to go all in with our money according to Scripture, according to what God has for us? And we're going to look at this, learn a few things from the story, but first let me pray. So God, I pray that you would help me to speak your words today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us because I know, Lord, that Money can be a snare. The love of money can be a snare to any one of us, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to see money in the right light. Give us the right frame of mind and help me to communicate your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so your first fill-in, if you want to fill these in on your handout. We can go all in with our money by, number one, stewarding it well. Stewarding it well. So the farmer in the story was given an abundant harvest, but his first thought was that he would keep it all to himself so that he could take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. See, he thought that all of his money was for himself to be spent on himself. But Jesus was pointing out this isn't the right mindset to have when it comes to finances. It's not all for our enjoyment. Our money is a gift from God for us to manage. But it is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? See, everything we have is a gift from God. Now, you might be thinking, no, I work hard for my money. Well, true. Who gave you the ability to work hard? You know, physically, you're able to work hard. Mentally, you're able to think straight. That's a gift from God. Maybe you were given that work ethic from the family that you were born in. Well, that was a gift from God. And I will tell you, it is a gift to live in the United States, whether we were born here or we moved here. It is a gift 
to live in the United States. I work with a lot of people overseas, and the unemployment rate, 80, 90 percent. I mean, it's next to impossible to find a job. So everything we have to be able to make money is a gift from God. So we need to stop looking at our money as our money, right? It's, it, that's hard to do, right? Because, I mean, you think about what's in your billfold or what's in your purse right now or in your bank account, and you're like, well, that's, that's mine. No, it's all God's. It's all God's. If you're a follower of Christ, you gave up your life to follow him. Everything you have is a gift from God. And our job is to steward it, to steward it. Now, what does it mean to steward This is one employed in a large household or estate to manage domestic concerns, such as the supervision of servants, collection of rents, and keeping of accounts. So you think about that. We're employed by God. We're servants of God, and he's given us a certain amount of money, finances, that are his, and he expects us to steward them. Now, of course, Scripture says that he's going to take care of all of our needs, so some of that money is supposed to be meant to take care of us. And God gives us good gifts. And so, yes, some of those things can be used to buy Starbucks, right? I mean, that's, I really miss Starbucks right now, just <laughs> side note. It might come up a lot in the sermon. Anyway, so he wants us to have good gifts as well. But if we think of it as all of our money, that's the, the wrong mindset. It is all of his money, and our job is to steward it. I didn't grow up in a household where we learned to steward money. Anybody? Yeah, I I learned to spend money all on myself. Every dime, every penny. And then I learned to spend even money that I didn't have and credit cards and things like that. I just, I didn't know how to steward it. But there is a way. I mean, God gives us this money to steward, to take care of. And uh, if you don't know how to manage money, if you've, if you weren't brought up to be able to do that, I do want to encourage you, we mentioned it earlier, to take Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey, you know, coming up here uh, starting next week. I've taken it actually a couple of times because I, I need to. <laughs> I probably need to do it again here shortly. Um, but just to be reminded on how to budget and how to spend wisely and to, and to look at our finances in the light of God, how to be generous with our funds, all of those things, how to invest money, because if, if the money that we have is actually God's money, then he expects us, first of all, not to spend it all on ourselves, right? On our, just on us. But he, secondly, he expects us to manage it well. And if we don't know how to manage it, we should learn how to do that. And so Financial Peace University is just one of those ways that we can do that. But it's not our own. It's all God's, and we have a responsibility to manage it well. That's our first point. We can go all in with our money by, first of all, stewarding it well. Stewarding it. Because it's all his. Secondly is to learn contentment. And this goes along with what I said in the first point. You know, it's out of when we're we're not content that we spend it all on ourselves, right? The farmer in the story, he had some big barns. He had a good harvest. But he wasn't content with what he had. He had to tear down the, the barns that he had and build bigger ones. And he was doing this all to store more riches for himself. 
what do we do? We just get rid of clothes and buy new ones, right? Because we're not content anymore. That's, that purse that we loved a year ago is old. <laughs> it's out of style. We got to get a new one. Guys, how many pairs of shoes do we need? I mean, it used to be the girls, right, that had a lot of pairs of shoes, but it's, it's a lot of men now have a lot of How many do we need? Right? We become discontent very easily. Well, learning to be content with what we have is one of the ways that we steward God's money well. And uh, contentment is a skill in this life that can be learned. That's the good news. We can learn to be content. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So we can learn to be content. Fasting, by the way, is a great way to learn contentment because you take away the things that bring you joy, like good tasting food, right? And you learn like, okay, what else in this life can I be excited about, be happy about? And then when we get to eat again, right? We, we are so excited about what we finally get to eat. I mean, fasting is a great way. A, a way for us to learn contentment is to hold back on some things. Occasionally, deprive yourself of that Starbucks cup of coffee and actually make a cup of coffee. Whew. I do that occasionally. I just like, I'll, I'll try it. I'll make one at home. But you know, it, you learn to be content, right? It, if, but if you always are buying whatever and everything, then you know, it's, contentment is fleeting. It's fleeting. But you can write this down. Contentment is the key to happiness with our finances. I will just tell you that. Contentment is the key to happiness. Because if you're not content with what you have, you won't be happy. Now, happiness is different than joy. Joy comes from within, right? But happiness comes from external circumstances many times. And so we need to be content with what we have so we can have happiness in this life. And the more content we are, the easier it will be to steward our finances because we won't be driven to just always buy the latest, greatest of everything. So here's a question for us to consider today. Where am I discontent today? Where am I discontent? Is it with your clothes, your job, your car, your house? And I would just tell you, God does not want you to be discontent. He wants you to rejoice with what you do have, to find contentment with what you do have in this world today. So that's part of going all in with our money is to learn contentment. And the third way is, to, is by giving generously. Giving generously. Jesus said in his story, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. 
then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So the, the farmer in this story was concerned only about himself, his wants, his desires, his needs. And God is saying, you need to be rich toward me, rich toward God. So what does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, one of the ways is tithing. And we talk about that a lot here at the church. You know, it's giving 10% of your income to the ministry of the church. And then we as a church give 10% of our, of everything you give to, to outreach and missions as well. So there's a tithing that happens within us, even as a church. But I believe it's more than that. It's more than the tithe. I believe that generosity is, is a state of mind, is a state of heart, where we are looking around us and seeing, who can I bless? It's above and beyond the tithe. And it's especially helping the poor among us. That's a huge deal, is to help those who are in need. When Jesus was, was teaching about the end of the age, he told how people would be judged by their actions in this life. And he told one group that they would, they would be blessed, and he invited them into heaven. You might remember the story of the, the sheep and the goats. And they were confused. They were like, um, why, why are you inviting us into heaven? You're saying that we did these things for you. I, I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. When did, when did we do these things for you? And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is how we are rich towards God, is when we help the poor, right? When we feed the hungry, when we give drink to the thirsty, when we clothe those who need clothes, when we invite the strangers in, Visit the sick, visit those in prison. When we care for those who need it, that's how we're rich towards God. Now, all of those things take compassion, right? We have to have compassion for the poor. But almost all of those things take money too. So we have to have a heart of generosity if we're going to be rich towards God. It's one of the reasons why we do mission trips here at the church. It's one of the reasons we do outreaches here at the church. Sometimes it's just evangelism, just to share the gospel. But many times it's just to teach us to be generous and give us opportunities to be generous to those who are in need around us. So this week, I want to encourage you, look around and look for somebody who is in need. Now, it might be just a coworker that you know buying them a cup of coffee would go a long way. Or it might be paying for somebody's gas who pulls up beside you in one of those clunkers, right? I mean, they just, like, they need probably, that car's barely running. And some of you this week, you're going to pull up and see a clunker beside you and you go, oh, that dumb pastor, why did he? <laughs> well, I just want to tell you, God doesn't, Miss those things that we do, those little things. It might be buying somebody's groceries at Meijer. But look for those who might be in need and just be willing. Just be willing. Uh, so giving generously, that's one of the ways that we 
can go all in. And the last one is this, and it really goes along with managing our money well, but it is running from debt. We can go all in with our money by running from debt. Dave Ramsey talks about debt in his Financial Peace University, and this is probably one of my favorite sections of that class. We're going to watch a three-minute video where David, Dave Ramsey talks about running from debt. So watch this. So I'm reading through Proverbs, and I read, you know, the day according to month. So the sixth came up, and I open up a thing, and it says, if you've signed surety, my son, do this. Now, surety is old English Bible talk for going into debt. So if you've gone into debt, do this. Now, if you're looking at this with my set of eyes, I'm saying this is the maker of the universe who says, if you're in debt, here's what you do. This is worth reading after the do this, right? I want to know what he says. This is a game changer. Whatever follows is very important to someone like me. If you're in debt, here's what you do. God says, paying attention now. Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. I got that. That's hard work. I got it. And deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, truthfully, I'm no biblical scholar. I'm just a redneck guy reading the Bible. But I'm reading that, and I said, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> you give me an animal metaphor. I was so excited about to do this. And you give me an animal metaphor. Now, this is how I pray. So some of y'all need to have reverent prayers, and you think, God's not scared of me. It's okay. He can just talk to me like, and so I, what? Animals, what? So I'm scanning the channel that night, scanning the TV channels, just bouncing around. And I landed on the Discovery Channel, and God answered my prayer. He told me what it meant. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. So I'm watching this thing. And I click, and there's the gazelles. They're out there gazelling around. <laughs> and I thought, I just read about you boys. You're how we get out of debt. <laughs> and, 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 and you know the Discovery Channel is not there if the gazelles are there by themselves, right? You know someone else is on the scene. Mr. Cheetah. And gazelles have a little cheetah detector behind their ear. And when they see the cheetah, they're like, cheetah, run! Because they know the cheetah is the fastest mammal on dry land. He can run up to 82 miles an hour. He can go from zero to 67 in four leaps. This is a bad cat. There's not a gazelle on the planet that can outrun a cheetah. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. How do you get out of debt? You run like your life depends on it. See, look what he did. He picked out a college student. <laughs> Come here, kid. Come here, kid. You need to get a credit card. You need to build up your FICO score, kid. Come here, kid. I'll give you a T-shirt. Sign up, kid. This happened to you on college. Right? How you get out of debt? You got to run like your life depends on it. The only shot you can wander into debt, you can't wander out. The only way you get out is you run like
like you gotta go crazy. You gotta lose your mind. You gotta run like death is on your heels, cause it is. It's the only way you get away. Yeah, if you haven't seen Dave Ramsey, you should sign up. <laughs> Debt is a tool, right? It really is a tool for us to purchase something that we don't yet have the money for. Sometimes it's necessary, but many times it is not necessary. We need to learn patience and contentment. But if we have debt, we should try to get out of it as quickly as possible. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So getting out of debt is a way that we find freedom financially. I love what Dave Ramsey said. He said, we can wander into debt, but it takes intentionality to get out of debt, to run. You know, it takes process to get out of debt. Well, a few weeks ago, I announced that we as a church have purchased this building, which is pretty exciting. It is. It's much better uh, for us to buy the building than to rent the building. Um, but we have incurred debt. And I say we, if this is your church home, we have incurred debt, unfortunately. Um, we bought it on land contract for $350,000, put down $75,000. Uh, but we still owe $273,302.08. And so we have a good interest rate, um, but I want us as a church family to run out of debt. I want us to run out of debt personally, but I want us to run out of debt corporately as well. Now, here's how I believe that we can free ourselves from this debt. Um, first of all, our, our monthly payment's $2,500, which is more than the minimum payment. And so instead of having a 15-year payoff trend, we're at 11 years, so if we don't do anything different, we'll pay it off in 11 months. But uh, I want us as a church to pay off, I'm sorry, 11 years. <laughs> it's going to take us doing something differently to pay it off in 11 months. <laughs> but I want us to pay it off quicker, right? Maybe that was prophetic, right? Um, Two ways that we can do that. First of all is uh, everything that goes into the building fund um, will go directly towards principal because our monthly payment pays all the interest and also pays down principal. So if you put $100 into the building fund, that will go directly on our debt. Okay, so that's one of the ways. Um, now, I would ask you, uh, don't move your tithe from the general fund to the building fund because we still need to keep the lights on in this building too. Uh, and pay it off as well. But secondly, uh, we're going to do periodic pay-off-the-debt offerings, special offerings. And uh, we'll do those until, you know, the debt is gone. That's our, that's our plan. So our first one is going to be on Sunday, April 2nd this year, which is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And we're calling it our beautiful thing offering. Let me tell you why. Um, this happened on Palm Sunday. Mark chapter 14 says this. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? They were talking about this woman who came and broke a bottle of perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet. They're saying, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. 
and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. A beautiful thing. So she gave what amounted to a year's worth of wages and gave it to Jesus. And it's called, it was called a beautiful thing. And we still remember that 2,000 years later. So on that same day, on Palm Sunday, we are going to be collecting a special beautiful thing offering that will go directly towards our debt. And we're going to try to pay it off. Now, you don't have to give a year's worth of wages. Um, you can. That'll help us get done in 11 months instead of <laughs> 11 years. Um, but I am asking us to consider doing what's called a reverse tithe. All right, a reverse tithe. What I mean is a tithe is when you give 10% of your, your week's income to the church and you live on 90%. A reverse tithe is you give 90% of your income and you live on 10%. And you might ask, how can I do that? Well, you have to plan ahead. And uh, a simple way to do that is um, we have nine weeks between now and Palm Sunday. That's nine weeks from now. And so you just, you give 10% of your tithe to the church, but then you, you store, you save up another 10%. And you did, do that over nine weeks and then you'll have you know, a reverse tithe to give to the church on Palm Sunday. All right. Now, we have these commitment cards because you guys love commitment cards. That's what I've been hearing. It <laughs> says so you guys love these things. And what is our word for this year? Commit, commit right? So I want to give you opportunities to commit. Uh, this is the last one for a while, so I just hang it. It won't be every Sunday we have something like this. Uh, but if you pull that out, there are three choices. And I'm asking you, if this is your church home, to prayerfully consider uh, filling this out, and you can turn it in today in the offering box, or you can turn it in next week. You might have to go home and pray about it. Um, but the first one is, you know, you're committing to give a, a 90% reverse tithe to the building fund on April 2nd. And if you're out of town, you can give it early or whatever. Um, secondly, is to give a different amount. Some of you, that might be more than a 90% tithe, because that's what God puts on your heart. Others, that might be less, that you're not able to do a 90% tithe, but you're going to commit to giving a certain amount. And then the third option is that you're committing to prepare financially so that I can give in the future. Because some of you might be living so tight paycheck to paycheck that the thought of giving extra isn't something that you can really even consider. Well, you should consider taking Financial Peace University because they will help you to live in a way that you're not living paycheck to paycheck. But uh, we're hopefully going to pay off our building with just a few of these kinds of offerings. Um, so there'll be more opportunities in the future. But yeah, that would be the third option is just to prayerfully consider it, you know, and, and try to prepare so that you can participate next time. So um, again, you can turn that in this week in the offering box or you can turn it in uh, next weekend. But uh, we are going to be taking up that offering on April 2nd, probably announcing it on Easter Sunday. What I find interesting, though, is if based on our current tithing, your current giving, if we did a 90% tithe, it would be over $65,000, you know, on that one Sunday. So that's kind of exciting for me to try to really be like a gazelle running from a cheetah, right, is to, to get really uh, uh, specific about getting out of debt. All right, so that's us as a church, and then it's also for you as individuals, is this idea of running from debt. So we can go all in with our money by those four points, stewarding it well, learning contentment, giving generously, and running from debt. 
Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.